overall diet if you're just going to kind of like play the lottery and hope you pick the right diet because there is one that if you live in America would probably work pretty well for you. Out of the ashes, you will rise. If you feel sad, lost, depressed, finances are in the gutter, social life, you're lonely. Out of the ashes, you will rise. Here in my garage, invest in yourself. Always be curious. Don't be a cynic. Sleeping on a couch in a mobile home with only $47 in my bank account. When everything's burnt to the ground, when you're sad, lost, and depressed, and everything's at rock bottom, you get to rebuild the exact and precise way you want the damn thing rebuilt. Health, wealth, love, happiness, each of these four goals. Coming up today. So it's not just the veganism, it's that you're cutting out junky food. Okay, welcome to today's podcast. Ty Lopez here, Zach Cookman here, and special guest Ben Greenfield, oh, best-selling yeah. author. He's got you got a big pot, one of the big podcasts out there about health. Spartan race winner, and he's also doing the Spartan race tomorrow. It's not a big podcast, just an old podcast. Old pod, you got one of the original podcasts. Yeah, but he's going to be talking about both sides of the story on veganism versus eating meat. I One of my first businesses was the food business, so I've actually traveled to over 40 countries studying agriculture and food. My first mentor was Joel Salatin, who is has been one of the voices for sustainable agriculture, organic agriculture for the last... Mm, he's, his family started a farm, famous farm called Polyface Farm in Virginia in the 1960s, so he's been going about 60 years uh, in the food business so let's start with the open. Let's just start by just saying. Now, I want to just preface this podcast. There's a very interesting book everybody here should buy. I'm going to pull it up on my iBooks. If you're listening in, I will give you the name. The name of the book is Diet Cults. Mm. Diet Cults. This is if everybody, people always ask me for uh, you know advice on books. Let me show you, those of you watching live, here's a cover of this book. Diet Cults, it's a little hard to see here, by Matt Fitzgerald. The Surprising Fallacy at the Core of Nutrition Fads. Diet Cults by Matt Fitzgerald. Buy that book. I know and he, Matt. He's been on my podcast. Really? Yeah, he's, a, he's an endurance athlete guy. He ran into him when I was racing Ironman. You've done Ironman. How many times have you done Ironman? 13 times. 13? Have you won Ironman? Have you ever won it? I've never won an Ironman. No. no. Is that one tough That's to win? That's a hard race to win. That's yeah. you gotta dedicate your life to winning one of those. And Spartan, goals. what year did you win the Spartan uh, race? Two thousand and what is it? Two thousand seventeen. Two thousand sixteen. Nice. Early two thousand sixteen. So the question is, someone said Javi Torres says Matt Fitzgerald is a great writer. Ben Greenfield has an awesome book. We don't have a copy yeah. of it here. You should. What's wrong with you? It's beyond fit. Beyond, beyond training. Beyond training. It's actually a brand new edition just out. Awesome. Added about 40 pages of extra content, extra biohacking content to it. Yes Joel, or no? Joel Saladin's got a good new book out too, The Pigness yeah. of Pigs. The Pigness of I Pigs. I just had him on my show. Oh, really? Yeah. On the phone or did he come out in person? Uh, no, on, on Skype. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. In your opinion, veganism, thumbs up or thumbs down? You asking me that? Your opinion, Ben Greenfield. My at- opinion on veganism is... A little bit complex, but it starts with this. It depends on you. And I know it's an annoying way to respond, but it depends on a, on, on a few factors. Let's say, for example, let's take ketosis, right? 
Everybody's mm-hmm. into ketosis a lot these days. This whole They're, like high fat diet where you're drinking coconut oil and butter and eating you know fatty beef and you know shoving coconut manna and olives and olive oil into your into your mouth. And the idea is that there's a certain portion of the population that has what's called familial hypercholesteremia. When they consume those kind of fats, they get very, very high cholesterol. And high cholesterol isn't bad, but in this case, they get high levels of oxidized cholesterol, very small particles that tend to weasel their way into your vascular walls and create things like arteriosclerosis. And for these people, doing something like a high-fat or a meat-rich diet is not such a great idea. They do really, really well on a high-fiber, more veganistic diet, what we would, we would call a Katavan diet, like an islander-based diet with a lot of fiber and small amounts of fish, but, but really not this whole like meat and eggs and oil approach. So that's one population for which veganism would be a decent choice as far as a diet goes. There are some holes that you need to fill in, which I'll get to in a moment. Now, let me interrupt you for one second. Go ahead. So basically... The idea is that in the past, mm-hmm. diets have been very blanket. Like, so the US government has come out with blanket nutritional advice. Everybody should basically get two pieces of fruit, two pieces of this, bread at the bottom. You know, they have the food right. triangle. Now, in the modern world, you get even more opinions. You got vegans, you got vegetarians, you have pescatarians, you have fruititarians, you have people that are going for the zone diet. I mean, there's everything. But what you're saying is, and this is kind of my opinion, the future is going to be customized the diet. future is self-quantification. What would it cost you thousands and thousands of dollars at the freaking Princeton Longevity Institute a decade ago? You can now get for, I mean, almost pennies on the dollar, right? A 23andMe genetic test or a blood test that would have been $10,000 you can get for like 400 bucks now. You can find out not only what your genes are, not only where your ancestors came from and what they would have eaten, but also holes in your blood or your urine or your saliva, meaning you know low vitamin D or low vitamin K or thyroid deficiencies or, or things that are all going to influence not just how you eat, but also how you supplement. And one of those things that I just alluded to would be a genetic test to find out if you tend to be a cholesterol storer. How because would you know that? Is that a DNA marker? It, yeah, yeah, it's a DNA marker. So you get like a 23andMe genetic analysis, and then there's a really cool website uh, called 23andU, 23andU.com, and you go there and you can have access to all these different websites that you can run all your genetic data through to actually get all the health stuff that a lot of times 23andMe isn't releasing to you. Yeah, they don't. They yeah. kind of got yeah. either sued or su- shut yeah. down by the yeah. Why are you not vegan? In your DNA, okay. your body, what... Is the problem for right. you? You found right. So, so there's a, there's a few other issues. First of all, uh, veganism is great if you're trying to clean house, clean up shop, right? Like, so if you've been eating a very crappy diet and you need a lot of antioxidants, a lot of flavanols, a lot of polyphenols, a lot of plant rich fibers, a lot of chlorophyll, a lot of dark leafy matter. What that does is it cleans you out. And that, that's why a lot of people feel like a million bucks for a month or two months or six months after they begin to consume a diet that's comprised primarily of plants and that eliminates a lot of either acidic foods or acid-producing foods like, like, like meats stuff. and coffee yeah. and dairies and things along those lines or uh, the consumption of those foods in their processed, you know, Americanized format, right? Like foods with not only trans fats added to them, but vegetable oils added to them, foods that have been cooked at high temperatures, foods that have been oxidized and processed. And so once you switch to veganism, a lot of times you're just not eating those foods, so you feel a lot better. Right. Now, so it's not just the veganism, it's that you're cutting out 
it's junky it's food. That, it's that you're cutting out junky food and you're replacing it with a lot of things that fight inflammation, like coconut oil, for example, right? Coconut oil actually isn't good for you at all. There's a real dark side to coconut oil. I have an article about this on my website about how coconut oil causes inflammation. Right? Everybody thinks it's healthy for you, but in the absence of fiber, in the absence right. of fiber, coconut oil is bad for you. And it's that makes sense because you yeah. would find coconut oil in a coconut with all the coconut meat and the fiber. And the idea is all these people putting coconut oil into their coffee in the morning, they're in many cases not including things like kale and spinach and dark leafy greens and wild plants and all these things that you should be. Like my breakfast in the morning is I wander out into the forest behind my house and I gather nettle and wild mint and I swing by the garden and I'll get some cabbage and some kale and some bok choy and some Swiss chard cilantro, parsley, herbs, wild plants. I throw all this in a blender and I blend it up with fats, right? like coconut milk and coconut oil and stuff. So my breakfast is just like plants and so fats. So like it's like a nasty shake. It tastes amazing. <laughs> Once you add enough stevia to it. And you oh, so you then, put stevia. Well, no, I blend it like pudding food. and then I'll add like cacao nibs and some coconut flakes. So a little chocolate berries. and it's yeah, raw. Yeah, add a little, you add a little bit to it. Zach? So we got Zach like over a, here. Yeah, I thought it sounded a bit like a Disney scene, a Disney cartoon going out in the forest. <laughs> Frolicking. Frolicking. Yeah, yeah. And Bambi yeah. helps me. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Frolicking nude through a pastoral field. So the idea. Wait, let though, me let me ask a real quick, not to interrupt your train of thought, but hold that for one second. So Zach is the third opinion here. Zach is from the South. He is representing the part of the conversation that has found real health in Bojangles, mm-mm. Hardee's, and Moon Pies. So Zach, can well, you explain to us about the, that? The evidence. It's not so much that I think that it's better as much as I think it doesn't matter. You can still <laughs> eat that and, and live just the same because in the end, everyone dies. So that's my evidence that it doesn't matter. We're all going <laughs> to die. It's not as though people have figured out eating healthy lets you live I just don't want to live the last half of my life in a wheelchair and a diaper. That's, I, Zach doesn't I mind. Be, I want to be climbing <laughs> yeah, mountains. Yeah, Zach doesn't mind uh, diapers. Yeah, you're gonna have to scare me a little bit. You know what is kind of funny though about what you say is there's a lot of centenarians that we find in many of these blue zones, and many of them do drink a lot and smoke a lot, and they don't exercise. Yep, but they've got relationships and love and family. Right, right. So, so you can do a lot when you have like relationships, love, family, positive emotions, gratitude. It's pretty amazing. I got, I got all I need is a Cajun plate biscuit combo and a good woman. (laughs) Right, exactly. When I lived in North Carolina, we moved to North Carolina, and you know, California is where I was. Before and everyone is pretty healthy, and we moved to this uh, to Clayton, North Carolina, which is kind of the countryside. We had a, lived in a mobile home, and across about a mile away, my my stepdad met this woman named Mrs. Creech, and we would go over Sounds there. Pleasant. Yeah, Mrs. Creech, we'd go over there. She was ninety, I think ninety nine or ninety six or something, and she had a little mini farm. And so she every day she'd go out, she'd milk her goats, she had a little garden, and she she would. Eat moon pies. If you don't know what a moon pie is, <laughs> it's literally that. chocolate with marshmallow. And she said she hasn't eaten a vegetable for 50 years and she smoked. And she's like, and, and this lady was like, but you know, she had other stuff. She's, she's in her goat milk. Though. She's on her goat milk. That's what we have. We, we have uh, seven Nigerian dwarf goats now who milk them every morning. So Goats there isn't a, a basic... Can you melt like, me, fucker? The, what is that from? What, uh, meet the what did you just say? Meet the fuckers. The oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Meet I the have parents. nipples, Greg. Can I got nipples. nipples. Can, can you, you melt me? me? That's is, a, that's a line a, I wasn't actually asking. Ben. Is there an overall kind of diet that no matter what, like you were saying, it's going to move towards oh, being yeah. very specific, but is there kind of a generic one that no matter what, if... Yeah, I've got a thought on that. So, so 
I'll return to that in, in just a second. What I think would be like a, a coverall diet if you're just going to kind of like, you know, play the lottery and hope you pick the right diet. Because there is one that if you live in America would probably work pretty well for you based on most people's ancestry in America. But this idea of veganism feeling really good when you get on a vegan diet, the problem is one year down the road or two years down the road or five years down the road, there are holes that will wind up. If you, if you test your blood and your biomarkers or if you test anything that's going on inside your body, there are specific nutrients that over and over again wind up missing from the diets of most people eating a plant-based diet. What are now, those? There are people that do things the right way, people who soak their food, who sprout their grains, who ferment their beans, who actually activate a lot of the nutrients that you find in foods when you do veganism would be considered the hard ray, right? right. Like it's, a lot, it's a lot easier to eat meat and drink milk to, to get a lot of these things. But if you did want to go completely animal-free, you can work in a lot of these old ancestral ways of preparing your grains and your beans and uh, your plants in ways that deactivate the plant's natural defense mechanisms. There's a great new book about this called The Plant Paradox by Stephen yeah. Gundry where he goes into how plants have these built-in natural defense mechanisms that can be deactivated when you soak and you sprout. Like tomatoes are nightshade family. They kill you. Right. Potatoes. Right, but but you can you can you can pressure cook a potato and peel it and and make it an amazing nourishing food. But a lot of people don't go out of their way to do that, right? Because it's laborious. It right. takes time. So what you tend to see is certain deficiencies creep up. DHA, incredibly important for your brain and your neural tissue. That tends to be deficient in many people eating a plant based diet unless they're consuming lots of algae. Spirulina and chlorella actually gives you that DHA, hmm. but a lot of people who are following a plant-based diet don't eat that. Another example would be taurine. Another example would be creatine. I tell everybody on a vegan or a plant-based diet to have five grams of creatine a day. Creatine you get naturally right. in cows. Right. Beef. Right. Beef, exactly. You don't, find it. you don't find it in plants that often. Um, vitamin D and vitamin K are two fat-soluble vitamins we find in dense amounts in a lot of animal foods yeah. and animal fats, but you know, you, you can get some in mushrooms. You can get some in like a fermented soybean derivative called natto. But again, it's very difficult to hunt down some of these things. And so in many cases for a vegan, I recommend supplementing with the vitamin D, vitamin K, taurine, creatine, DHA. Another one that's notoriously deficient is amino acids. Yeah. Because again, unless you're soaking and sprouting and fermenting and getting a good mix of proteins, pea protein, hemp protein, rice protein, what happens is you tend to get amino acid deficiencies. So if you're just, uh, you're there's, just there's stuck a, on one diet, right. eating certain beans all the time, you're not getting right. that. So you want to use... So what, what research has found is that when you combine a digestive enzyme complex with a plant-based protein powder, like hemp or pea or rice, you actually render that protein just as high as like a whey protein or an egg protein when it comes to amino acid bioavailability, right? So what you can do to hack your vegan diet is you can have like protein powder along with digestive enzymes with like a smoothie in the morning, for example. So there are ways that you can skirt a lot of these issues. It's just that like 90% of people who follow a vegan diet don't really do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and so people unless don't have you time bases, in the modern world, yeah, it's, it's time. Most it's, people. Yeah. It's, it's so what I do is I'm a big fan of having certain periods of time, as we see in a lot of long lived cultures, you know, the, the Orthodox church and the Mediterranean diet. And we see this all the time, certain periods of time where you're abstaining from large amounts of meat, where you're abstaining from large amounts of protein, because protein activates something called the mTOR pathway, which can accelerate aging. So it can be not only a longevity, but also a detoxification strategy 
strategy to have certain periods of the year where you go without meat and you do more plants. You might even do more green juices. I'm not a big fan of, as we were talking about before we started recording, like fruit juices because they mainline fructose into the bloodstream. But, you know, juices like, you know, kale juices and celery and turmeric and carrot and things along those lines. So having certain times of the year when you don't eat meat is good, but as in terms of a long-term sustainable diet, that doesn't build up deficiencies in the body, unless you're really going out of your way to prepare food the proper way, veganism is not a great solution for long-term health and longevity. Instead, a plant-rich diet with low to moderate amounts of fish and eggs and meat, all from organic, sustainable sources, is a much, much better way to go because it allows you to get your nutrients far more easily. And then to return to your question, Zach, about like what what diet would actually work well if you just had to guess. Um, there, are, there are some really interesting books about this. One is called The Perfect Health Diet by uh, an astrophysicist named Paul Jaminet. Um, there's there's another kind of like diet group called the Weston A. Price Foundation yeah, that puts a. out Price. pretty good information about yeah. this. And it turns out when you look at a lot of these diets that tend to be compatible with the great majority of the population, kind of like following that 80-20 approach, it comes out to about 50 to 60% fat from really good healthy fat sources, including plant sources, 20 to 30% protein. And then finally, depending on the day's level of physical activity, anywhere from 10 to 30% carbohydrate. So that's a pretty high higher fat. amount of the carbohydrate coming on, on the harder days. But remember, fat is twice as calorically dense as protein. So it still would only take up like a third of your plate, right? Right. And so we're talking not, about yeah. avocados, butter, oil. I mean, those freaking quesadillas, those are probably 60% fat. Check out that's these That's sitting right there. That looks like a carb bomb, but that's like 60% because it's filet mignon, it's cheese, I'm it's oil. What and kind so, of cheese? Sheep? I, I did a food allergy that. test. I've done a few. I've done the uh, the one, what's the one I did recently? I've done three different ones. And uh, it's interesting. That's another thing to bring up. Yeah. Um, some there's, of only, my fr- there's only one accurate food allergy test. Which, which is there, one? By the way. Cyrex. Yeah, I did Cyrex. I've done the other one that's not, didn't seem as good. But you know, the interesting thing was Cyrex. And I'll tell you this, listen to your body. Because everything, every food I don't really like, my Cyrex showed that I'm somewhat allergic to it. Like, I don't love potatoes. I never have. I don't love chicken as much. And chicken, I'm moderately allergic. I love beef. So some things, if you can revert your brain to the natural state um, and not, bombard it with processed food which messes up your taste buds but if you're eating regular food and you listen to your taste bud i hate you know the craziest thing in cyrex i don't like cooked tomatoes but i like mm-hmm. raw tomatoes and literally it said i'm allergic to cooked tomatoes yeah. but not raw yeah it's crazy now there is one other test brand new test called viome it's a complete analysis of your entire gut microbiome and I've done that test, and it, it's compared to Cyrex, very comparable in terms of actually looking at your gut bacteria and what they can and cannot digest. So that, that's kind of a newer test. It's not even available to a lot of people, I don't think, right now. But you can go to, I think it's MyViome or Viome or Google. V-I-O-M? V-I-O-M-E. Um, huh. It's run by a, a billionaire, like a, a billionaire philanthropist, uh, inventor, entrepreneur <laughs> named Naveen Jain. I'm flying over to see him in oh, Seattle yeah, next weekend. Oh, yeah, that guy's weekend. famous. Naveen yeah. Jain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's so up in he, Silicon he, Valley, he isn't he? Um, no, he's in Bellevue. I'm going to go up there and podcast with him next week. Um, anyways, though, so so that's kind of the deal with, with veganism is it's good as a sometimes diet, and it's even fine as a sustainable diet for life if you're willing to put in a lot of hard work. But, 
you know, for me, and don't get me wrong, like I hunt all my own meat. I only eat stuff that I've personally harvested, including animals, or know where it's been harvested. I grow all my own plants and all my own vegetables and eight raised garden beds at home. I have goats, I have chickens. So I'm very, very careful about the source of the meat, the source of the eggs, the source of the dairy, and that's very important. If I didn't know, and I do this a lot when I travel, I just don't eat meat, right? I only eat plants when I travel if I don't know where the eggs are coming from the dairy because Here, bad, let me, let me bad, get... bad animal sources, they're worse for you than bad plant sources. Yoga with Amy on YouTube says, Ben, please stop making veganism sound hard. What's your response? <laughs> you know what? It is hard to do it right. It is. I mean, because we do a lot of soaking and sprouting and fermenting and slow food prepping. For the average person who I think is living a more fast-paced lifestyle than, than human beings are even meant to live, it's hard to go out of your way and freaking, you know, like take take your, your head of cabbage and get your whey and get your salt and get your big pan and and chop that all up and let it sit overnight at room temperature and ferment it and make your own, you know, kimchi or sauerkraut or just take soybeans rather than just like eating the soybeans as edamame to get like a natto starter and to ferment that on the counter and, and to make it and then keep it in the fridge. Like a lot of people just aren't doing a lot of these things, even quinoa, like not even many people will soak or rinse or sprout something like quinoa, which is a horrible digestive irritant unless you treat it properly. So I'm not against veganism at all. I'm about doing it the right way if you're going to do it. And it's so much more convenient to work in meats and milks and dairy and right. eggs and fish here and there to cover those bases, especially if you're a busy person. Now, so. let me, let me, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that I think in life you have to learn. One of the big problems in the world is people don't know how to think. And so what happens is every opinion now, because of the ease of the internet and the fact that people are good bullshitters, any position you take, you like Donald Trump, you don't like Donald Trump. You like veganism, you don't like veganism. You can find an argument for it. So you got to learn to think for yourself. And here's what I do. I, I'm a practical person. I go, I've been around the world. I've been to over 50 countries. I've been to basically every continent. Um, and I look at people and I see what their diet's been in that country for the last hundred years. When I see places that eat milk and meat, they don't look that bad to me. Look, in fact, in Africa, the Maasai Indian, uh, the Maasai African tribe who are cow farmers, they produce the they've always produced the biggest strongest people half of the freaking nba if you watch basketball if you test these guys are coming from tribes like the like the maasai the average maasai person on milk and blood and they tap the neck of a cow and drink the blood they basically have very little vegetables if you go to asia and you look at the plant based parts doesn't of asia it doesn't kill the cow by the way no it doesn't kill it's just a little yeah. tap but if you go to uh, asia who are the biggest Asians? Koreans. You go to South, South Koreans are big. Their guys are mm -hmm. six foot two twenty. You go to Vietnam where they just eat rice and, and they're, you know, four foot two or four foot 11. Yep. If you go to Europe, if you go to Holland right now, the Dutch people. Now, some people will argue this is just because of prenatal supplementation, but no, they, they are now the tallest white people in the world. The average Dutch person is six foot two. And the average Dutch woman's five foot eight. And height in general, like that, is a sign of health. Not always. It's some of it's your phenotype. It's called your body phenotype. So if you're from countries close to the equator, usually are shorter. But 
uh, and that's the same with deer and all animals. But the point being, there's not overwhelming evidence, even though people will bring up some vegetarian places like Okinawa, but Okinawa yeah, seven, is not a hundred percent. But Okinawans oh. eat fish. Fish, fish, eggs. They have yep. fish and eggs. They're yeah. not vegan. They're more vegetarian, closer to vegetarian. Right. Wouldn't you say? Right. And we, we could even argue there, um, you do see higher amounts of, for example, breast cancer due to mm-hmm. very, very high intake of soy. So, I mean, there are some populations that still don't have it completely figured out. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what else you want to talk about? You said yeah, let's talk supplements. I got, I got. How long do I have before I got to hit the? You sack can go and, whenever you got. Right, whenever dude, he's got to run jam, tomorrow. Let's let's, okay. let's do rapid fire Q and A. Rapid the next fire five ten five minutes. minutes. Number one, I gotta be up at the butt crack here, of dawn to go race Rome, Rome can come in and be on here. I saw him just come in. Number one, okay. fat loss. What's a sup? Obviously, diet and exercise are more important. But what fat supplements loss, work yep. for fat okay. loss? Here's the deal. Just about every single supplement company out there has it wrong when it comes to fat loss, and okay. here is why. They're doing ephedra and advantra and green tea and cayenne and all manner of central nervous system stimulants to jack up the metabolism, which works, but which is horrible for your central nervous system, for your sleep, for your recovery. It's very taxing on it's your like adrenals. like doing cocaine. Exactly. <laughs> when, in fact, the secret to fat loss is to, A, not have your blood sugar levels rise throughout the day, and B, have no period of time during the day when those blood sugar levels get jacked up. So we're talking about constant blood sugar levels with not any frequent spikes in blood sugar levels. Okay. Okay, so constantly low, specifically. So what can do that? There's, let let me give you three examples. Consuming the equivalent of two teaspoons of Ceylon cinnamon per day can lower your blood glucose and keep your blood Ceylon glucose Ceylon cinnamon. That's Ceylon, a specific type Ceylon, of cinnamon? C-E-Y-L-O-N. Okay. Uh, what I did just before, you know, Zach and I were in the kitchen, and I was mixing up a little bit of apple cider vinegar and kombucha. Apple cider vinegar before a meal, right? Before I eat that, that quesadilla, for example, it lowers what is called your postprandial blood glucose. Again, keeps the glucose from staying elevated for long periods of time in the bloodstream, which can lead to inflammation and can lead to that glucose getting partitioned into fat tissue. Another example would be something, speaking of Okinawa, that you see uh, consumed in large quantities over there. It's something I use every day, bitter melon extract. Hmm. Okay, any, any of these kind of like bitter-tasting foods that tend to be digestifs also tend to lower your blood glucose or keep your blood glucose stable. All right, so I, I just did, I, I do a comprehensive blood test about every three months, and my fasted glucose is in the 70s. Wow, my you're hemoglobin, in the 70s? hemoglobin A1C, which is a three-month yeah, snapshot three of your fasted glucose levels, mine is at about, I want to say it's like 4.4, four, 4.5. Four, it's, it's very low. Mine's at about so, 5. Yeah, mine, so, but my glucose is like 94. And by the way, even on a very low-sugar diet, there is one thing that can drive glucose up, and that's cortisol. Hypercortisolism causes your liver to dump its glycogen and bring blood glucose up. But those that that the trick is for any supplement that's going to be a fat loss supplement, in my opinion, it shouldn't be doing that by jacking up your central nervous system activity or your metabolism, but by, by instead controlling your blood sugar. Could levels. it literally be water with some the cinnamon in it? You could take water. You could add cinnamon. There are other things, minerals like chromium and vanadium. Those also help to stabilize your blood sugar levels. Uh, you could add a little bit of like a like a bitter melon type of extract to a water, and you could sweeten it with like an organic stevia to take some of the bitterness away. Okay, and you could even do like a little bit of like a like some kind of like a vinegar in there. Like, do you like think that would have a vinegar. noticeable effect on somebody? Fat loss. Oh, if absolutely. They were drinking this you, water. You could take a blood glucose monitor from your local pharmacy, and you could test your blood glucose before and after, and you notice a distinct 
hmm. drop in blood glucose after a meal compared to not having consumed something like that. So, all right, speed around. Yeah. We'll do two more questions, and right. then you got to go to bed. Number two, and this is going to be a question for Zach. I mean, based on Zach, what Zach said. For a person who doesn't know where to start and they're completely lost, what is a food that they can add to their diet that most people like? That's easy. Bradley Martin, the bodybuilder, the, the famous Instagram bodybuilder friend of mine, and he told, I said, what's the best diet in your experience? And he said, you know, one that you can stick with. Mm-hmm. And so what's a diet for a beginner? Because I always believe you got to improve in phases. It's like you want to make a million dollars, first try to make 10 grand a month, then try to make 100 grand a month later. So for somebody who's doing progressive steps, what is the easiest thing that most people like that they can make sure they're eating every day in the place of McDonald's and junk food. Is mm. it a steak? Is it quesadillas? Is mm-hmm. it, what, what, what would you say? I, I, I would say if <laughs> even, even though I, I, I hesitate to say this because it doesn't have much fiber in it, but it's very, very easy to mix with fiber and to mix with plants, and it goes well with just about any plant from kale to cabbage to tomatoes and beyond. It would be nature's perfectly packaged protein that is also very, very dense in fat-soluble vitamins, and that would be the egg. Yeah. If you're going to do one thing, you know, like a good, healthy organic egg from hens that haven't been, you know, kept in, in a, you know, in, in, in cages. but The like whole a, egg like or just egg whites? A whole egg. Definitely not the egg. The egg whites, that's a word. If I could throw out one part of the egg, it'd be the egg whites if I had to choose one part. But the egg whites along with the egg yolk, that's the perfect one-two combo because the yolk balances out the dense amount of proteins and the albumin in the egg white. You've got vitamin K, you've got vitamin A, you've got vitamin D. It's satiating. And again, it doesn't have the fiber in it. Remember what I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast. If you're going to eat these fats, you need to have fibers along with them. But Again, it's so easy to mix mix. So an eggs, egg salad, mix maybe eggs with veg. You could have egg salad. You could have you could have eggs with some cilantro and parsley and kale for breakfast. You could. I mean, you don't want to eat too many eggs. Obviously, there's a lot. Of what do you? What would you? Times, two or three? You could eat two or three a day. Yeah. I mean, do my, you eat my, eggs? My, my kids have a couple oh, yeah. of eggs every morning. Every know? morning for breakfast, yeah. I I have the little poaching pan. Yeah. yeah. So I'll poach a couple and then I throw it on yeah. some greens. But I'm gonna play good play eggs and cook them at low temperature. Eggs, oh, no, aren't, for, eggs fact, are not very heat stable. I got so. a um. They Zach didn't have eats the a raw like Rocky, and then he pounds <laughs> actually, his chest. I tried to do that as a kid, and my mom was like, "All right, if you want to," so she put it in the glass. I took a sip. She goes, "You can't sip it," because I didn't want to drink it anymore. But uh, no, I bought a dozen eggs the other day didn't they didn't have the ones that i normally get at the grocery store which are the it's right the better right? Uh, yeah yeah it's the right. best stuff um and i cracked them open the next day and they were so pale the yellow the yes. yolk was so pale oh, yeah. throw them out i did That's uh, I was, nasty. throw them out. That, i'm gonna tell you that, they didn't you know some of them they still die they still die the eggs they used to do this back in the day because housewives wanted their egg yolks to be a yeah, specific they put loot they die the egg yolks yeah they don't even do that when i was I, my first business was eggs so i know a lot about it. i used to have I worked on a farm with 10,000 free-ranging chickens out on pasture. So mm. a good egg, believe it or not, is this color. And it's, it's orange. It's that color or it's literally. a color you can't rely on. Like when our, when our hens lay, you'll come back with 10 eggs and they're all sorts of different colors. But, but they're all that dark. They all have like the a yolk, dark hint to them. Not, not the outside. They're not white. Yeah, and the yolk is that color. The shell yep. color comes from the breed of chickens. Yeah. White Leghorn chickens lay white eggs. Yeah. Rhode Island reds lay yeah. red. Okay, third question, so you can go to bed. Then we're gonna then we're gonna do a giveaway here. Um, the absolute number one food you should cut out that even healthy people are still putting in their diet. 
it's not sugar because the thing is your body can metabolize sugar. Your body starts metabolizing sugar as soon as it hits your mouth. So sugar's uh, not the number one. Sugar's not the number one. It's the one thing that your cells will use to make their membranes and that your nerves will use to make the sheaths that line your nerves. And if it's using this compound to make those, then you are literally going to be what you eat. You're going to be comprised of a nasty form of a membrane precursor or a nerve precursor, and that would be any oil that's been oxidized or heated or pressurized and when you so what's go some to like, examples of that so a perfect example is canola oil perfect example and when you and granted there are some couple like whole foods they use like a cold expeller pressed canola oil so when you a lot of people are like i'm not gonna eat the salad bar at whole foods because they drench their stuff in canola oil that canola oil they actually don't treat too badly but when you go to the airport and you navigate to like the healthy food section of the newsstand at the airport and you look at like all the you know the coconut flakes and the apple chips and the mangoes and, and you, then you look at the label almost every freaking thing has two ingredients added to it sugar and some form of vegetable oil, safflower, sunflower, canola oil. And in most cases, unless it says like cold processed, expeller pressed, canola oil or sunflower or safflower, vegetable oil is the worst thing that you can put into your body. The best book you could read about this to give you a really expansive treatise of why this is the case is called um, uh, uh, Deep Nutrition by Dr. Kate Shanahan. And it delves into this whole idea. So of butter how is butter better, is. or what should people put instead? So the oils you're going to find in my house to be really, really good, like dark, cloudy, greenish, extra virgin olive oil, like a good extra virgin olive oil, right? Like I'm part of an olive oil club, and so every few months <laughs> I get a few Zach bottles wanted to be in the olive oil club. olive oil from Chile and Argentina. So olive oil is really good, but it's got to be real olive oil. I had a Even crush five on star Popeye. Napa Valley restaurants now are cutting their olive oil half and half with canola oil. Okay. Right, so you got to get the good olive oil. Avocado oil, very heat stable. Macadamia nut oil, very heat stable. And then like a good grass-fed butter. Grapeseed oil is okay. I mean, it's 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 not the best. It, it would be, in Zach, most cases, it. like an oxidized, yeah. pressurized it's, it's oil. It's out. you got yeah. to yeah. cut it. Hey, where's You're, our sound effect maker? I was with the giveaway. I was going to. So I yeah, didn't want to disrespect the, the nutrition. macadamia nut, extra virgin olive oil, a little bit of butter. Ghee is pretty good. Coconut oil is pretty good. Those are some of the biggies. What about the, the the stuff that people are putting butter in their coffee? That's okay. Well, like I said earlier, in the absence of fiber, so I you know I do a lot of blood work with CrossFitters and people you know doing the whole butter coffee thing. It, so butter will give you butyric acid, which is good for your gut, and the fats and like the coconut oil and things you blend the coffee with. There's two psychoactive components of coffee: kawaiol and cafestol. These are only carried across your blood-brain barrier when the coffee is A, blended with fats, and B, not filtered through a paper filter, right? So if you're using a stainless steel filter or an AeroPress or a French press and you're blending it with fats, you actually do get more out of the coffee when it's blended with fats. But the problem is these people aren't going off at lunch and having like a big salad or a whole mess of roasted vegetables with dinner. They're adding steak with dinner, eggs and bacon with fatty coffee for breakfast and like, you know, sardines for lunch, right? And, and... And that's like a classic kind of like modern, quote, healthy paleo diet or CrossFitter diet, you know, what you see a lot of these folks doing. But the problem is you get oxidation of those fats. You don't get the fiber that allows them to be processed properly by the gut. So, yeah, the butter in your coffee is okay. But at some point during the day, you got to do a lot of greens, you got to do a lot of plants, and you have yeah. to include a lot so of flavanols and polyphenols. Whether you're vegan or non-vegan, you need a ton of vegetables. And it's funny. I read every single diet book I could get my hand on. There's only one thing everybody says, everybody from vegan to non-vegan, have some huge salads a few times a day. I mean, and from not just iceberg lettuce, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, old school bodybuilder, huge salads, paleo people, 
Still got to have salad. Vegans obviously have salad. Only fruitarians are the only ones that say not much. One last question, and then I'm gonna let you go. This is a super speed round. Just give me a uh, minute <laughs> in slow motion. Let's talk on goji berries and antioxidants. Goji I looked up the highest antioxidant foods. Goji berries, the highest fruit, mm-hmm. and then there's some other ones. Uh, herbs are the highest overall. Do you like goji berries? I like goji berries, but I'm big into eating local. And so if you can find berries that are near you, they're even better. So like I have Oregon grapefruit that grows near my house and you can dig up the root. It's amazing medicine. It's like berberine that you pay like 60 bucks for at the grocery store, golden seal. But these roots are like this dark yellowish orange and the berries are these tart, tiny berries. They aren't these like these huge sweet berries we buy at the grocery store. They're actually the the way that a berry should taste, right? Like kind of, kind of tart, kind of sour, really good for you though. So if you can find a local berry, there's not a, a really big difference behind like the, the antioxidant content of a goji berry versus a blackberry versus a blueberry versus an organ grape berry. I like to pick stuff that I can find local, like huckleberries, yeah. organ grape berries, and wild raspberries, and some wild strawberries all grow native around me, right? So if I can find something close to the area, I like to go for that. But goji berries aren't bad. The only problem with goji berries is that nowadays in America, most of the time you find them dried. Yeah. And anytime you dry something, right, you, you, lose you wind the up, you, you lose, well, you lose a lot of the water content, you oxidize some of the antioxidants, but then you also wind up eating like 10 times more than right. nature, than nature meant you to eat. And anybody who's gone out and picked berries, you sugar. know this, you're there, there's thorns and your hands get covered in cuts. It's like, you might eat like 20 berries before you're like, all right, screw this. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. That the, it's kind of like nuts, right? Like if you had to shell every nut that you ate, you wouldn't be eating handfuls and handfuls of nuts without thinking about it. So a big part of it comes down to stepping back and asking yourself, you know, how would my ancestors have treated this scenario? But ultimately, goji berries aren't bad. Ben, thank you so much. All right, dude. Thanks for staying up. You got the Spartan race. Everybody wish him well. Zach will also be... LA Dodger Stadium tomorrow morning. Zach's going to be there. Zach, are you going to be running? What's that? Zach's going to be doing a Spartan race, a shortened version. Come do it with me, dude. Where he has to to run up three stairs... No, no, and then yeah. eat a moon pie with a sandbag. <laughs> the moon you gotta, you gotta pie. Carry, the moon, you gotta carry the moon pie up the stairs. Moon pie is definitely yeah. the diet to go with yeah. for sure, man. Right, you guys. can't argue against Thanks, marshmallows and chocolate. I'm going to bed. If you want the chance to enter into one of my free giveaways, here's all you have to do: number one, subscribe to my podcast, and then secondly, leave an honest review of my podcast. What do you think of it? All right, I pick random reviewers to win either an iPhone 7, a GoPro Black, a MacBook Air, iPad, Kindle, and then I've been doing these uh, once a month free car giveaways, giving away a Mustang or Camaro to one random social media follower, podcast followers are entered into that too. So you'll get your free chance to enter, just leave an honest review and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. All right, I hope you win one of the giveaways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever it is you like to listen so that you don't miss out on any new episodes as they come out. <laughs>